0: It's not just a demonstration, but also a definition of love. And that is what we're focused on today, on Truth For Today, with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Love, it is an amazing thing, and when you take a look at it from God's perspective, that agape love? Well, it really goes over the top. Welcome to Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard returns us to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. It's a demonstration of love. It's an explanation of love, a definition of love. Ever wonder what love is all about? Then stick around and join us as we explore God's Word together to find out. Here's Pastor Phil on today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
1: Love, always trust. And uh, I have found going through trials, the thing you want to do is to pull the covers of life over your head and say, I'll never love again. I'll never trust again. And that is a satanic weapon. He wants to destroy us. We've been called to be the lovers on the earth because we have a divine source for this love that goes beyond human ability. It's just human love and God hadn't commanded, go ahead and learn to hate a lot. It'll kill you anyway, but go ahead and do it. It feels good, do it. Oh, it feels good getting revenge. Yeah, it'll destroy you in the end. So he says, love always believes and when it's disappointed, love always hopes. It says, I hope the next time it will be better. Oh, they just had a bad day. They won't be that way every day. Or have you had this approach? Oh, they did it. They hurt me. I'll never, I knew I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have believed in them. Wait. Love hopes even when it's been hurt by trusting. It keeps hoping. Maybe things will get better. Someone asked Thomas Edison what enabled him to persevere. To all of his inventions and his failures and his attempts. And he says, it takes three things to succeed. He says, I never allow myself to be discouraged under any circumstance. The three great essentials to achieve anything worthwhile are hard work, stick-to-itiveness, and common sense. God just keeps loving. Love always perseveres. This is the word, it can put up with a lot of bad circumstances. It can endure uh, a lot of negative circumstances. Long-suffering is patience with people. This perseverance is with circumstances. It can persevere. I like uh, what Barclay said. He gave this phrase, it means masculine constancy under trial. kind of nobility. It's not just, I'm under it. Uh, Hendricks used to say, some of you have been under the word so long, why don't you get in the word? You're not supposed to be under it, get in it. But I'm enduring. Love perseveres. George Matheson, who wrote the song, Love That Will Not Let Me Go, was losing his eyesight And in the midst of losing his eyesight, he wrote a poem and he said it in these words, this is just a phrase, not with dumb resignation, but with holy joy, not only with the absence of murmur, but with a song of praise, may I accept your will. What a remarkable response. Love can persevere. It can hold out a long time. It can wait for a son to come back. It can wait for a marriage to be healed. I find sometimes by the time people have a marital spat, one party could be wrong for years and they give the other three days to get better. Love can wait. Carolyn had a beautiful aunt named Mildred. She married Cliff Kettner. Carolyn's people on her mother's side were Ketners, people out of Nebraska. And uh, Cliff had gone with Mildred about three years before the war broke out. In 1941, he was drafted, sent over to the Philippines, one of the first prisoner of wars right at the beginning of the war. In 1941, he was captured. Now, he and Mildred had dated and planned to get married, had a courtship maybe of three years and they were waiting you know, to get married and all of a sudden he's in the war he's over there they didn't know if he's alive or dead finally they got news that he had been taken captive and Mildred, when I met her, she was in her 50s and uh, just, I thought she was beautiful in her 50s, just countenance and uh, had such a uh, vivacious, contagious personality. Just, uh, I want to tell you, there's just something God puts in human beings, has nothing to do with age or uh, even looks, weight, any of that, a vivaciousness of spirit. She was alive. She was just a marvelous person to be around, laughing and uh, joyful. 1945, bringing troops back and brought him through the Golden Gate to San Francisco. Carolyn's mother was there, his mom and dad, and Mildred. It's been seven years now. Three years of courtship, four years prisoner of war in the Philippines in the hands of cruel masters. And they're all looking at the gang plane. All these soldiers are returning from World War II. And they're all looking. They're looking. They're looking. Nobody can see Cliff. Nobody sees Clifford. And all of a sudden, Betty yells out, there he is, as 85 pounds of bone and skin walked off that ship, reduced to just a skeleton, the humiliation of coming back in that condition and all the agony he went through. And what standing at the dock but this beautiful, vivacious, wonderful girl had never wrote a Dear John letter, that never allowed her heart to fall in love with another man. She said, I can keep waiting. I can keep waiting, Clifford, because I love you. And love endures all things. It's not looking out for bailout clauses and excuses to give up. It waits on the dock and says, I have no dear John letter. And he came. And 85 pounds of him fell in the arms of his mother. And this woman, and this woman became his wife for the rest of his life until one day she buried him, having died of cancer. Oh, love that will not let me go. In the last days, the love of many shall wax cold. And I've never seen such a day as this day. We can't be constant about anything over two weeks. We've changed our mind. But the love of God, it has waited long for us to come. It can endure a tough marriage. My old grandmother had 10 children. And a man that was not easy to live with in many ways. But she was a Christian. He was not. She endured. She endured. And God saved many of her children. Love. When there's no love, there's no patience. When there's no love, you got this attitude. I won't take it for a minute. You know why you won't? You don't love. It's not there so bad. Is your heart contains so little love? Love can find an excuse to wait, tarry, and stand on the dock. Can you love 85 pounds of an emaciated man? Yeah. He came back. And they lived happily ever after. How can we act this way? Let me just briefly share. First of all, this love is not an option. It's an obligation. It's a responsibility. If you're not loving, you're as much in sin as robbing a bank. It's as much a sin. But don't we justify not loving? Well, that, I want my rights. I want my way. And if you knew what I knew, you know, just trash it. I've, I've had those excuses too, and if God has rejected them from me, He's going to reject them from you. He won't buy it. I've called you to love. The thing we need to know, the love that God's asking us to share, He's the source of. And with Him, it's immeasurable. You know, if the ocean were filled with ink, and every stalk of wheat, a quill, and every man, a scribe by trade, to write the love of God would drain the ocean. You can never... Drain it. It's greater than any of us. God wants to channel it through us. Someone said all we are is God's extension cord. He's the power in the socket. He just wants to put it through some extension cords." It's not an option. It comes from a bountiful supply. And if we're spirit-filled people, it's a way of life because the spirit produces love, joy, and peace, doesn't it? Let me just briefly tell you, seven things. can't develop it. It's a whole message, but the way I know who loves and how you can love, first of all, become a disciple of Christ. When you become a believer in Christ, the love of God will be gushed abroad in your heart, and you will receive a capacity to love you never had before. Uh, I've had men in this church tell me I never loved till I've came to Christ. I understand that. I've had men say i never had an emotion till I became a Christian. I never shed a tear until I became a Christian. I, I learned to be hard and tough and to survive. I, I understand. Jeremiah said, he shall put a heart of flesh in them and take out the heart of stone. When God saves a man or woman, he enables them to love as they never dreamed they could love. Become a believer in Christ. Two, be obedient to the Spirit. He said in Galatians 5, 25, if we walk in the Spirit... And in verse 25, it's a word, take each individual step in the Spirit. And I think that's two things. The Spirit breathed out Scripture. And when we keep in step with Him, we make our steps according to His Word. We put our feet where He has stated His will. That's obedience. And in order to get our feet into those steps, we have to depend on Him. It's like that little child you're walking with and they can't, stretch as far as you and you help them well walking and keeping in step with the spirit is i'm going to obey where you've walked and i'm going to depend on you to get me there and he'll do it uh i think thirdly we need to be mindful of how much god has loved us the woman in luke 7 uh was a fallen woman a woman that in the midst of all the disciples that were fussing about cost and consumed with themselves begin to pour out the spicknard, begin to abandon herself in a love token to Christ. And all of a sudden, as she's being uh, called out of order, what are you doing this for? And telling Christ, you know, informing Messiah that he needs to know people better. Uh, finally says, uh, Jesus speaks up, says, you know why she can give such an extravagant gift? When you've been forgiven a lot, you love a lot. When you think you've been lo- forgiven just a little bit, I've, I've kept most of them. That's why the more right a crowd is, the smaller their heart gets at times. Right people can kill you. It's wonderful to get around a big overgrown sinner once in a while that just got saved. Man. They're just going on amazing grace actually moves them. They say, God, save me. God, you know, it's wonderful. And you get the crowd over here, the Pharisees. Well, I noticed he had a ponytail. And he's thinking. Why you should have been there when I had more than that? I noticed he's got this, and the guy saying you ought to have known when I had this. You don't know where I came from. I was talking with some folks a while back, and they grew up on the east side of the county, and they were saying they were telling me about this and that and sin. I said, well, you folks cover it much better than the west county does. We got big sinners over here. Even the law knows they're a sinner. And there's something, I don't want people to sin greatly. But I used to instruct one of my daughters that seemed everything goes, it's been good and easy. And no one could be more self-righteous than kids who grew up in church. I said, you always want to ask God, help me not to do the wrong but to love you as though I was the worst sinner in the world. Because you don't want to get this stingy kind of love. The reason David's story is in the Bible is to warn those who haven't fallen that they can fall and to tell those who have fallen, there's hope. We need the story. Don't think you can't do it. And if he's kept you from doing it, tell those who have done it, There's hope you can get back. He can forgive you. We have to watch that we forget we've received so much. And we're over here fussing with little minute stuff. Oh, that's why when you first get saved, run with those just saved. Don't get with folks who's got over the glow of it. You know, run with those that, man, they're just abounding. We should always be doing it. We ought to be aware that God wants us to follow his example. Be imitators of God, the Father, as dear children. Walk in love one towards another. If you're going to imitate your God, you're going to be a lover of people. And there's nobody that knows more about what's wrong with people than God, and nobody loves people more than God. What's our problem? I think we need to be sure to empty the garbage in our life. You can't carry around very much love if the garbage can is full of garbage. And he said in Ephesians, Get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. Empty the garbage. Take it out. You stink. We can smell it. We know that bitter spirit. We know you're mad. We know you're angry. We know there's no one worthy enough to be loved by you because you're full of garbage. And you've got to get in the presence of the Father and empty the garbage can. God would like to turn your heart into a container of gold, not a container for garbage. But you've got to empty the garbage can. You've got to repent. You've got to admit your prejudice. You've got to admit your hate. You've got to admit you're a soberness. You've got to admit you don't love people. You've got to admit you've not been loving your wife. Tell God, empty the garbage can. Quit acting like your sin against you has been so great you can't forgive. That is a sinful excuse. Have you ever been nailed on a tree And while you were being nailed, you were praying that God would forgive the soldiers that have to push the tree up and drop you in the hole in the ground. He's my example for responding to those who are inflicting hurt, who though reviled, reviled not again, but kept trusting him who is faithful. We've not been called to revenge, but to love. Well, beware of a small heart. Uh, Paul, let me read it to you in 2 Corinthians. Turn there, would you? You want to see this passage. 2 Corinthians 6.11. No church could bury a preacher quicker than these Corinthians. I mean, the way they beat up Paul, they made mince meat out of me in a week. These people were tough. And Paul says to them in 6.11 of 2 Corinthians... We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affections from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. In the Greek, it actually means uh, there's no room. You've got cramps. It cramps you to love me. Part of cramps is no room. And Paul says, you know, when I'm with you, it doesn't cramp me to love you because I've got all kinds of space in my heart for you. I've opened wide my heart towards you. But when it's your turn to reciprocate, You're so cramped, you can barely squeeze out decency. You you just can't only get there because it just cramps you to have to love me back. Because your heart's so small. David said in the New American Standard translation of Psalms 119, I shall run the way of thy commandments, for thou wilt enlarge my heart. I'm almost reluctant. I tell this story, but it sounds too self-serving. I hope that you can ignore the the self-serving part and get the grandeur of the confession. A man who's having difficulty with me came to me one time, and he says, you know what, I've been having difficulty with you. And he, he starts quoting this passage. But he says, God's been dealing with me, and he told me what my problem is. And I said, what's the problem? He says, I'm cramped to love you like you've been loving me. You seem to be uh, just pouring it out, pouring it out, but by the time I want to reciprocate, it's just kind of like, it, it, it's hard. I don't want to reciprocate his love. You seem to have affection for me, you, you seem to be there for me, but I haven't reciprocated. And I said, why? He said, my heart's been so small. It's cramped me to love you. And you find that with many people. It's the cramps of the soul. Small heart. But when God begins to work on your heart, he can enlarge it so much that you can begin to love people you never imagined. And then he finally says, keep yourself in the love of God. God wants you, according to Jude, keeping yourself in the love of God. And he says, we do it there by praying, staying in the Word, longing for His coming, and trying to help people. Ephesus, I've got one thing against you. You left the best love. You fought doctrinal battles. You fought the Nicolaitans. You were straight here, you were straight there, but... You don't love me like you did at the first. You don't love me like an engaged couple that all was on their mind is the marriage and starting a home and having children and, and now you're in church life and it's budgets and it's, it's this and it's the color of the rug and it's, they don't cut it straight. they don't. He said, I don't have all of you Ephesus. You've fallen from where I called you. I put you up on the pedestal as my bride and I made you my bride, not to be right on everything, but to love me back for I am the God that keeps getting voted out I was voted out as the king of Israel they didn't want me as a king I've been voted out of the nation they wanted idols they wanted Egypt they wanted Astaroth they wanted Molech I'm always getting fired as a lover I want somebody to love me back I've been doing all the loving I've sacrificed my son I sent my prophets I sent my word. I fed you in the wilderness. I delivered you from Babylon. I've been doing the giving and the giving. Oh Ephesus, don't be thinking you're going to keep everything so straight with the Nicolaitans. You're so busy telling them off that you don't show up to get in my arms. God wants a people to love Him. And when you're loving Him, you love His children.
0: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you, to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone, and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth for Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So, would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth for Today? And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.